for the Grubhub Mets Playoff Extra. Go for Grubhub and let's go Mets. Swing at a high fly ball, well hit, left center, she's on the way, and there it goes! A three-run homer for Pete Alonso. Live outside City Field, here's Rich Ackerman. And welcome everyone to City Field Plaza right outside City Field. We are coming to you right next to the home run apple, Rich Ackerman, Andrew Bogish, prior to game one of the National League wild card round. And Andrew, it's been a while since the last uh, postseason appearance, and you can already feel the anticipation building. Six long years for these Mets fans before or since a postseason game here, and we've been here since 4 o'clock, and there were fans already here waiting to get in, slowly filing past us more and more now on a great night. Black jerseys, Scherzer on the mound, Marte in the starting lineup. It doesn't get any better, and we're a little more than two hours away from first pitch. One of the voices you'll hear tonight, of course, is Wayne Randazzo, who joins us. And and Wayne, welcome. It's great to have you with us. You know, you came, your first year was 2015 when the Mets went to the World Series. They returned to the playoffs for the wild card in 16. But but this year, it was just so much different than those two. Obviously, the the trade deadline acquisition that year uh, for for Yoannis Cespedes and the hot run they went on. I mean, this year was much different. And even though they didn't win uh, the division title, ultimately 101 wins, second most in franchise history. And I, I really think this team just built up an identity with this city as well well it's a good team you know 101 wins is something that's really only been measured to once in Mets history in 1986 if they'd have won 101 games in 2015 they'd have won that division by 17 or 18 games that year it just so happened that Atlanta was also capable of winning that many and the Mets lost the tiebreaker last weekend in Atlanta but I think that the Mets have certainly put that behind them I hope the fans do as well and that they embrace this playoff run because there haven't been all that many in Mets history, especially in the last 15 years, outside of 2015 and the one game in 2016. You know, it's been pretty dry as far as postseason appearances go. So we're glad to be here, and I'm sure City Field is going to be loud here tonight. How significant the three wins over the Nats, the hitting guys who haven't been hitting, getting some big ones. How significant were those three games, you think, kind of clearing their mind, that disappointment from not winning the division and being reset here for a wild card round? Yeah, I don't think there will be an issue for this group. I, I think they tried to do whatever they could to win the division. They, had, they gave it a big shot against the Braves last weekend. I think the team they're playing here this weekend is not as good as the one that they played last weekend. So if that's any sort of training ground for what's ahead in the postseason, well, you know, it's still going to be a good team. The Padres have some great starting pitching. We'll certainly see that with you, Darvish, and Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove if it gets to game three. But otherwise, you know, the Padres don't have as deep of a lineup as the Braves. They don't certainly have as deep of a, of a bullpen as Atlanta does. So I wouldn't say the Mets would have an easier time. You, you'd never know how it's going to go, and the starting pitching certainly can carry the Padres. But I, I think the Mets are, are now well-trained and well-prepared for what postseason baseball will look like after what they experienced last week. You said it best just a moment ago. You never know what's going to happen until you get here and you go through this experience. And obviously this is still somewhat of a, a, of a jump for a team that uh, has some guys with postseason experience but collectively as an organization hasn't been here since 2016. So your gut feeling, you know, what do you, you, you have a lot of questions that can go either way in these next couple of days and weeks. Gut feeling, which way does it go? Well, again, I think the Mets are the better team. So does that mean they're going to win this series? We never know who's going to win a playoff series. I mean, sure, the Cardinals felt like they were the better team than the Phillies, but they're down one nothing now after having a rough ninth inning earlier today in St. Louis. So you don't know how it's going to turn out. But if if you're going to 
vote for a team. Certainly you'd vote for the better team. The Mets are the more complete team. They've got their pitchers lined up again. Scherzer's been through the wars before in the postseason. He's excited to get out there. And maybe they even get through this series without needing DeGrom. That would be the best-case scenario. You don't even have to worry about pitching Jake. And then all of a sudden, if you do that, if you win two here and you go to L.A. with DeGrom game one, you've got him also lined up for a game five against the Dodgers. That tilts things about who would be the favorite. I think the Dodgers might be a heavy favorite without that. But maybe not as much if DeGrom's loaded up for two games, plus another that you'll get from Scherzer. So uh, the Mets can really carry themselves with their two aces, and Max Scherzer's going to try to set the tone for the postseason tonight. Where do you fall on this pitching discussion of even leaving the door open to not using DeGrom until Game 3 in this series? Yeah, I like it because I I think that the Mets' best chances of of, you want to go all the way. I mean, you're trying to win a World Series here. You're not just trying to go and play the Dodgers. And if you want to beat the Dodgers, you need to have your aces loaded up for that offense. So if you can possibly get by the Padres without needing Scherzer and DeGrom, great. I think you've got to take that shot. I think Jake will pitch tomorrow if the Mets lose. There's no way around that. You've got to go straight to DeGrom. But if the Mets win tonight and you could try to sneak around the Padres without using DeGrom, I think it's worth a shot, absolutely. And if not, you get to Game 3. DeGrom's going to give you his best shot against Joe Musgrove. In an all-hands-on-deck situation, Musgrove's a good pitcher, but he's not Jacob DeGrom, and I think the Mets would feel really good about their chances in a Game 3 if they had DeGrom ready for that one. Other lineup notes tonight, uh, Starling Marte not only on the roster but back in the starting lineup hitting sixth. Uh, we don't know what he can do, but what is is there a realistic expectation whether he could just offer some speed on the bases because the Padres not good at throwing out base stealers uh, and also the veteran bat. Yeah, Marte's a real firecracker for the Mets in their lineup. He has been all season a, a kickstarter normally at the top of the order. I think it gives the Mets a, a little bit of room in case Marte is not completely himself hitting sixth against Darvish tonight. Marte's also done well against Josh Hader in his career if it does come down to the end of the game where we see Hader in a, in a late-inning situation. So Marte's a huge player for them. He's a great defender in right field. He's a very good base runner, and he's a guy that if he says he's ready, the Mets believe him, and he says he's ready to go. He says he's playing. I think if you're getting 80% of Starling Marte, that's still better than 100% of some other players the Mets might have available to them to use instead. So I think they're confident that if Marte says he's good, then they're good with that, and it's a, it's a huge lift. Really lengthens their lineup. You know, you look at their lineup tonight, you see Escobar and Canna in those seven and eight spots in the order. You know, Escobar's the player of the month in, in September, so it really deepens your lineup to have Starling Marte in there, and uh, the Mets are thrilled that he's back and available to them tonight. Between yesterday and pregame today, what have the Met hitters been talking about in terms of dealing with and solving you, Darvish? Well, you, you just have to take your best shot against Darvish. I mean, this is a guy who's going to give you 11 12 different pitch offerings so it's hard hitters like to eliminate pitches you know when you're when you're looking at an opposing pitcher who's got three good pitches on a given night and maybe one's not working in particular at bat well they can eliminate it and then they can kind of look at a 50 50 proposition on the next two pitches can't do that with darvish so i think they're going to try to attack him early darvish's era is the highest in the first innings of games this year and i think the mets hitters saw that he'll throw his cutter a lot. It's not even really his best pitch, but he throws it a lot. So if the Mets see that early in the at-bat, I think they're going to be attacking. What you don't want is to get to two strikes because Darvish has so many pitches that he can put you away with. So I think the Mets hitters will be looking to attack early in the game and early in the count. Not only looking at tonight, but also beyond, whether it's tomorrow and Sunday or just tomorrow, uh, how important it is to get 
the pitch counts up and get to the bullpen early. Obviously, you got Hader in the back, but that bridge to Hader might be a little suspect. Yeah, and Hader could be suspect. You know, he finally did put it together in September, but this has been his worst season. He struggled horribly uh, after the Padres got him in August and, and then did finally pitch, have some better results in the final few weeks of the season. But we don't know if Josh Hader is is right. He certainly has not pitched more than one inning in a game in quite a while. I don't even know if the Padres would go there with him right now. So it's a little leaky back there, and the Padres' middle relief is certainly not a strength of their team. You know, they've had some decent relievers. Adrian Morahone, a left-hander who throws hard. They've got some guys that I think that they trust. But ultimately, I think the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings of these games, from the Padres' standpoint, as far as their relievers go, I think that's the part where the Mets can really do some damage. In those same innings, so pre-Diaz, how do you think Buck handled a big spot with Soto Machado back-to-back in the Padre lineup? Well, you've got Bell hitting fourth, so that's a switch hitter, although Bell is better from the right side than he is from the left side. But I think ultimately the Mets trust their pitchers that they've gotten lefties out. Seth Lugo's a good weapon against left-handers. You know, if you really want to see a lefty-lefty matchup and you trust one guy to get Soto, well, I think David Peterson has the better stuff, lefty-lefty. But then again, do you trust Peterson to face Machado? Would you trust Joely Rodriguez to face Machado? I think ultimately, if you see a lefty-lefty matchup, you know, maybe it's for Cronenworth or to get Grisham out of the game late. I don't know that they'll send the lefty in there unless there's a two-out spot where they can really pick it and hope that the lefty, whether it's Peterson or Rodriguez, just faces Soto and they don't have to worry about him facing Machado. Otherwise, I think Seth Lugo is going to get a lot of those opportunities and Trevor May as well. We'll get you out of here on this note. Uh, prediction for the series. Well, I, I, again, the Mets are the better team, so you don't, you never want to say that this team is going to win or that team's going to win in a postseason setting because things can change, anything can happen, but the Mets are the better team, so I, I would think the Mets will win it head to Los Angeles and then take their best shot at a Dodger team that's going to be sitting around for five days and and maybe they sit around long enough where it cools them off and things even out a little bit for the National League Division Series. Wayne, thanks for a couple minutes. Enjoy it and enjoy the run. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Wayne Randazzo, one of the voices of the Mets right here on WCBS. We are about a little more than two hours away from first pitch. And, uh, you know, Andrew, I think Wayne said it best. You just don't know what's going to happen, but you you try to get out and and jump on them early. And if you're the Mets, you try to take game one because everything is so fluid and the dynamic changes. Yeah, and it's, you know, we've already... We're two and a half games into day one of the postseason, and you can see all the different things that can happen. The Guardians beat the the uh, they won the first game today against the, the Rays, two one and two seventeen. Old school throwback game in Cleveland. Gotta love it. Then game two, the Phillies score six times in the ninth to steal a game in St. Louis, and now Seattle's got a four nothing lead in Toronto. And you know we've got accustomed to learning how much going just to a five-game series impacts the way things play out. Now we're at a three-game series, and you're right. You know, every game's important, but game one, it's almost like two or two and a half wins. You get this, and it makes so many different things possible for you in game two tomorrow, all in your building, every single pitch, every single decision. You know, Buck Showalter Mets have been very creative this year in where they've pinch hit, where they've pinch run, how they've used their bullpen, and I think going to even another level of that, 
is what you have to do in a game like this today to try and get to that one nothing lead. And as you mentioned, everything changes so quickly. Mets win tonight. They hold off and try to steal one without Jacob DeGrom going before the uh, the next round against the Dodgers. And, and I, I think that's huge. You can go either way. Look, if, if it works, then Buck Walter is a genius. If not, it's certainly it's, it's not as big a gamble as... Uh, per se, not having him at all, because if they do lose tonight, then he's going to go tomorrow. So I, I think it's a it's a worthwhile one, but uh, I think I said this to you off the air. I go back to uh, Masato Yoshi in back in 1999 when, when he started game one against the Diamondbacks and Randy Johnson. Everyone's like, why is he starting? And it was almost as if it was a sacrifice Val- almost. Bobby Valentine didn't want to burn his best pitcher going up against randy johnson you're on the road you try to steal one and that's what they did back then and it worked out glowingly for the mets that time and now you you still have max scherzer so uh if by some chance the mets don't win tonight you could always come back with Degrom tomorrow it's a fascinating theory it's a fascinating story i'm surprised how open the mets have been about this strategy and my initial thought is you can't plan for a series that you're not in yet but it's not as if they're saying DeGrom is not pitching in this series, so he's ready for game one with the Dodgers. We may see him tomorrow night because things don't go well for the Mets this evening. But it's just um, it's a good thought in theory. It just seems like something we haven't really dealt with before, so it's taken some people aback inside the game, outside the game, media, non-media. A lot of people are just saying, hey, don't overthink this, Scherzer, DeGrom, and we might get that, but right now, why not leave the door open to try and be strategic and have your best foot forward if there is a round two for you? Absolutely. Well, we'll see how it unfolds as we get ready to get going in just a couple of hours. Coming up on this edition of Grubhub Mets Playoff Extra, you hear from former manager Terry Collins coming up. You'll also hear from our very own Peter Haskell in just a couple of moments, but we'll have more after this as you're listening to Grubhub Mets Playoff Extra live from the City Field Plaza on WCBS News Radio 880. You're just anxious to get out there. You're anxious to go out there and compete. Everything's online. Win or go home. You know, that's the attitude you have to have. You have to win. I mean, you get in the postseason, every day feels like a must-win day, you know, must-win game, whether it's an elimination game or not. You, you always show up to a party like, we got to win today. So that's the beauty of the postseason. You know, this is what you play the game for, is to be in these type of moments. And, uh, you know, for me, I look back at my career and been in these moments and love that I've always had the opportunity to pitch in these, in these games. And I'm just thankful I have another opportunity to, to pitch in a postseason game. You're listening to the Grubhub Mets Playoff Extra. Go for Grubhub. That's Mets co-ace and tonight's starter Max Scherzer now making a playoff appearance with his third different team and, of course, has a World Series ring winning with the Nationals several years ago. But, Andrew, as we bring in Andrew Bogish once again, Rich Ackerman with you live from City Field Plaza on Grubhub Mets Playoff Extra. You know, it doesn't take much for Max Scherzer to get amped up. He's always pacing around even when it's you know a quiet moment <laughs> so yeah, if you watch him before the game or even on a on a day off or or a call that he doesn't like even when he's not on the mound uh that's a guy who's always into the game there's a lot of reasons why he gets 43 million dollars a season from the Mets most of them are actually pitching but coupled in there buried in there is him being the leader and he has set the tone for this team in the clubhouse in a lot of different ways throughout the season most recently going back to the day where they clinched their po- their playoff spot where he kind of set up a subdued but celebratory post-game locker room. And now you put him out there in game one to set the tone for the series and to really lead a roster that has an interesting breakdown in terms of age and youth, some playoff experience, 
none at all. Some, you know, Jacob DeGrom's last postseason pitch was in 2015. Mm-hmm. So they need some guidance, and now he's going to give it to them on and off the field tonight in a big game one spot. Speaking of aces, we have one of ours here, Peter Haskell, longtime Met fan. And, uh, Peter, you were here uh, a long time today, at least since about three three thirty this afternoon. How, what is What was the feeling like as you walked around the plaza for all these hours? I think a lot of people are thinking it's about time. It's been a <laughs> long time since the Mets have been in the playoffs. I spoke to a a kid who's 10 years old, he doesn't remember that far back. <laughs> and if you think about it, there's a generation of Mets fans who have no memory of 1986. That was the last time the Mets won the World Series, so it's been a long haul, and fans are excited to be back. I, I saw a guy with a half orange, half blue beard. We met a young woman who made a <laughs> rhinestone Mets cowboy hat. What's the craziest piece of gear you saw walking around City Field today? So I saw a guy who wore his, uh, his had a tattered Mets jersey, wore his Mets fandom on his sleeve, his tattered sleeve, literally. Tattered jersey. He said he has worn that jersey 2,500 days straight. Straight. <laughs> so he said it's held together on the inside by duct tape. I tried not to get a sniff of it, Yeah, but I suspect it was not pretty. But he said, I am wearing this until they win the World Series. Oh, boy. And I thought, good luck to his friends and neighbors for that. <laughs> well, if there's anybody who can relate to the plight of the Mets fan, it's a Mets fan himself. And, and you obviously talking about 86. You have been through this. And, you know, the Mets are sort of like an EKG. There were the lean early years, then the, the Miracle Mets of 69, 73. Then it were lean years again. And then the rise in the, in the early 80s, culminating in the 86 championship in 88. And then it went down again. Then Bobby Valentine brought him back, and then it went down again. And, of course, 2015 and 2016, and, and now here we are once again. What's, what's this ride like for you? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think of 2000, the Subway Series, and the Yankees have a great team this year. The Mets have a really good team this year. There was so much energy and excitement. And you know what? That Subway Series brought the city together. Baseball fan or not, everybody talked about it. If you were a Mets fan, you were a Yankees fan, you lived it, you breathed it every day. And, boy, just how much fun would it be if these two teams could get together in the World Series again? But before we get to that, just you know, this weekend, it's kind of the culmination of a season where between the team, new ownership, they've done a lot to kind of reinvigorate the fan base. And this is nice icing on the cake, bringing, for the first time in six years, playoff baseball back here. You get new players come in. You get very expensive players come in. And you get a manager that comes in that really seems to understand what it takes to build a clubhouse, to create this chemistry and the kind of... Uh, atmosphere that he wants and some of the fans that we spoke to today talked about Buck Walter, how important he has been and he's a guy who has spent so much time in the bigs I'm sure he would love to get a ring this year no question. Uh, as you, as a not only longtime Met fan, but also knowledgeable baseball fan, you, we, any, we've been saying this for the last half hour, anything can happen. So what do you foresee happening over these next two, maybe three days? You know, I'm not uh, much for predictions. I think the fact that the Mets hit over the past few days has to make them feel better. They've got the three aces ready to go. But the fact that the bats came alive after really falling short in that Atlanta series, you would think gives them that little extra boost of confidence if they need that. 
Peter, great work as always. Love having you come by for a couple of minutes. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the series and uh, continued success with everything here. Been fun, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Our own Peter Haskell as we are less than two hours away from first pitch. And uh, I, I think, Andrew, uh, you know, was just something Peter had said moments ago, uh, having Buck Showalter, what a big lift that is this year. There's no doubt about it. It's amazing. You know, analytics is so popular. We still haven't figured out exactly how to – quantify what a manager can actually add to a team, but whatever you can come up with, Buck would have to be near the league leaders because to take nothing away from the previous regime and take no shots at them, this is just a different feel on this team all year long because of Buck being in charge. Buck Showalter, a great first season. Another guy who had success is Mets manager Terry Collins. You'll hear from him later in the show. We'll have more after this as you're listening to Grub Up Mets Playoff Extra live from the City Field Plaza on WCBS News Radio 880. In the postseason, you face the best of the best. You're going to get everyone's best punch. Um, we're going to get theirs. We're going to give give them ours. You know, uh, that's that's what postseason is. Um, and like I said, regular season is yesterday's news. Let's focus on what we have today. You're listening to the Grubhub Mets Playoff Extra. Go for Grubhub. And we're back live on the City Field Plaza. Rich Ackerman, Andrew Bogus. You just heard from Francisco Lindor just a couple of moments ago. And, you know, Andrew, you get to this point in the season, and there are no secrets. The advanced scouting is incredible. You have all the data you need in front of you. Uh, it's not like the World Series where you haven't seen the American League team. They have. There have been six meetings between the two teams, and, of course, the Padres won four of those, and, of course, you Darvish won two. <laughs> were just ma- two masterful performances, though. But, you know, you get to this point, and you see, you know, you just roll the dice, and you see how it goes. And I like Lindor saying this is now different because a lot of times you get the cliche of keep it simple it's like any other game but it's not like any other game it's going to be managed differently it's going to be played differently so you don't want to get too carried away and let the stage overwhelm you you need to find that place where you embrace the extra bit of importance around these games and significance and you know Lindor is one of the guys that at least has been in a playoff game before so he's got that on his resume some other guys do not Alonzo McNeil Lugo, all these guys in their first playoff game, which, you know, we spent this entire summer and early fall talking about the Mets winning the division and how far they could go. We never really kind of got to the nuts and bolts of the roster, and there's more guys than not who are getting their first real taste of playoff baseball, so we don't know how they're going to perform. So they need the guys who have been there before to set the tone through, you know, yesterday's workout, pregame today, and then early on in this one tonight. Of course, Pete Alonso saying the other day, I really don't know what to expect. Right. you got to figure the way this team has handled things, and uh, as you mentioned, the experience from Scherzer and Lindor on down and, and others, and of course, Buck Showalter has now been uh, to the playoffs with his fourth different team. That man in the dugout obviously helps a good bunch, and you know, on the other side, obviously, there's a lot of experience, starting with Bob Melvin at the top for the Padres as well, but uh, you know, look, you look at this series, and, and even though the Mets come in with, with more wins and the home field, it's going to be a very interesting series because there's there's a lot to like about it. You have great pitching on both sides. You have stars on both sides. And, you know, let, let's get the ball, you know, ball rolling here. And 
You know, for me, I, I think it really comes down a lot to tonight. You try not to put too much emphasis on one game, but in a series like this, if you're the Mets and you can get it going early and get the crowd into it as they've been waiting for so much, uh, and you have Max Scherzer going, that gives you a tremendous advantage, I think, going into tomorrow. I also think, you know, they can say whatever they want, the Mets. We still don't exactly know. The three Washington games might have been a good glimpse. We still don't know for sure exactly where they are mentally, emotionally, in the wild card game and not the division champs. So I think in particular for them, maybe more so than the other home teams in game one, you want to see them be good today and not be sloppy and not be deflated and get the offense going early and really put away that question of whether they're too disappointed, too heartbroken to have to be in this wild card series to begin with. Well, at least publicly, I, I, I think they've washed away that feeling. I think you get to this point, you are where you are, it doesn't help you at all to think about what ifs. Now, obviously the margin of, of, of of difference in the division was so slim but the slimmest of margins at the end and you can play the what if game what if starling Marte doesn't get hurt what if they don't get swept by the cubs yeah what if jacob de had been healthier in the first half what if max scherzer doesn't miss weeks with the oblique so you could you could play yeah. that game but well, i know jake blister last week yeah. in atlanta i think they've done a, a very good job embracing the moment the now uh and not dwelling on on things that probably we tend to dwell about more now the one downside to them not winning the division obviously you don't get several days off which i think they they may have been able to use to their advantage but there is also something to be said look wednesday was a non-stress game for many of the many of these players and they had yesterday off and i think you come in with a fresh slate maybe that's just enough right now yeah i I think that's something to figure out 10 days from now just how dangerous the break might have been for the top two season each side if any if any of them struggle with the rust but that's for that's for then. For now, it does. I'm with you in that it does seem like they have turned the page, but we'll know for sure in a couple hours tonight. And obviously, something that we've talked about for the last 35 minutes or so that has been talked about a lot uh, is is Starling Marte. We don't know what kind of impact he can make yet because we haven't seen him in a, in a couple of weeks. But obviously, I think his absence contributed uh, to the Mets slide down the stretch. Uh, it takes a veteran out of the lineup. It takes speed out of the lineup. He's back in tonight, and it, even though it's not uh, a, a you know a one man uh, one man job to turn this thing around, obviously I think his presence, even if he could just get on base somehow, uh, not necessarily by hit, whether it's by walk, whether it's by anything else, right. that that changes the dynamic here. Well, I didn't even think he was going to be on the roster when he woke up this morning. Then he was on the roster, and now he's in the starting lineup, and he's batting six for a, a handful of reasons. One of them is actually his hand. They just don't want to have him in too high a leverage spot in the lineup. Plus, moving him down changes some of the possible matchups for the Padre bullpen late in the game as well. So they've thought through this. But it came down to Buck Showalter, the training staff, and the hitting staff just trusting that Starling Marte said he was good enough to go, and he's going to go out there. And the thing that I think what they missed without him is the consistency of the production. You know, some of their overall numbers are okay when he wasn't there, but it was peaks and valleys. It was no runs or it was eight runs. <laughs> now it might be four every game because he's there stirring the pot, moving the lineup along, being on base, driving guys in. And he apparently looked good in BP, well, is what some of the people have been tweeting that were inside City Field. So take that for what it may, may be, that 
he was swinging the bat and crushed a couple with the bad finger during BP. Well, maybe it was all games been shipped these last couple of days, and we'll find out the answers to these questions coming up in less than two hours from now. Coming up next as we roll on, you'll hear from former Mets manager Terry Collins as you're listening to Grub Up Mets Playoff Extra live from the City Field Plaza on WCBS News Radio 880. Regardless of the outcome of the regular season, we should be really damn proud of what we accomplished. Like, as much as uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda, like, we won 101 games. I think that's the second best record uh, in New York Mets regular season history. So that's something really damn to be proud of. And um, again, like, we were a resilient team. Uh, we have talent. We play the game the right way. And I feel like that uh, with, with the people that we have, uh, we have the ability to be the last team standing. And regardless of where we're at in the playoffs, to get where we want to be, we have to beat everybody anyways. Like, to be a world champion, you have to beat everybody. So it doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter when, you just have to do it. This is the Grubhub Mets Playoff Extra. Go for Grubhub. Rich Ackerman, Andrew Bogus, live from City Field Plaza prior to Game 1 of the National League Wild Card Round, and Pete Alonso is right on it. Uh, they were the second-best team in Mets history with their 101 wins this year. A guy who knew a lot of success as one-time Mets manager is Terry Collins, and he joins us right now. Terry, how are you? Great. I'm doing good. Thank you. Glad, glad you could be with us. Uh, this was a tremendous season for the Mets, a big turnaround, but that last weekend in Atlanta really showed the difference in what a championship team may, may look like right now. Uh, you know, how, do the, how does this team take the next step? Well, you know, again, due to the long season, anything can happen. And the Braves, you know, they got hot at the right time, and they, they stayed hot. You know, I look back at the last three weeks of the Mets season, and, you know, what hurt them most was, was the, really the sweep by the Cubs at home, uh, you know, losing the game to Oakland, losing the game to the, to the Marlins, teams that, that you, you're supposed to beat, you know, certainly at the late in the season when, when there's a pennant on the line. You know, those are games that you got to win, and we didn't win them. And so, you know, and you run into the good teams, like, the, you know, you get the Braves at home, and they played great. Things happen. But right now they've just got, for me, they've got to go back and do what got them to the, this point in the season. That's you know, grind out at bats, work the count, get the starting pitchers, pitch counts up. Because as we know in today's game, hey, they're going to, you know, those starting pitchers, once they get to 90 pitches, they're coming out of the game. So let's get them to 90 pitches as early as we possibly can. Terry, that disappointment, though, is real of not winning the division. Do you think Buck had to do a lot in these, those three national games to kind of get their minds back in the right place? Or do the players normally take care of that themselves? Well, for the most part, you know, certainly as a manager, you're going to say something, and I know Buck probably did, but it does, you're right, it does come from the players. It does, that's why you get the quality veteran player in that clubhouse, who, a guy who's been there, a guy who's been through, you know, some, uh, maybe a disappointing playoff run or something else to where, hey, guys, we're still in this. You know, okay, we had a bad, we had a bad couple of weeks. We're in the playoffs, and that's all the counts. Now let's get ourselves back on, uh, you know, on, uh, on the pace we were on before. We, you know, we had a little bit of the collapse, and, and anything can happen. You know, they still got great starting pitching, and I know that's going to mean a lot. Terry, you mentioned just being in this spot, and anything can happen. But the one thing that they don't have because of their failure to win the division was a couple of extra days off of rest. How much is that a factor as they enter the playoffs? Well, I think it is a factor a little bit, but 
I, I will tell you, and I lived it. I mean, we had five days off in 2015 from the time after we swept the Cubs to where we played the, the Royals. And I'm telling you, I called everybody that I knew about how to keep the guys up, and, they, and nobody had any ideas. So they'd all try to Jim Leland, you know, Tony La Russa, Joe Torre. They'd all, they'd all been there. They'd all tried different ideas. Nothing really worked. And, and, and I, I think that really, because we were riding a huge wave, a huge emotional wave. And all of a sudden in five days, it left. I mean, the adrenaline left and, and we, we, we worked as hard as we could to get it back. And when in the world series, it just, we just couldn't recapture that, you know, and that's one thing that I think about playing every day, baseball, they play every day. And so, I think if they come out of this weekend on top, I think they're going to go in and play the Dodgers, and they're going to play well. Terry, what do you make of the way the Mets are, are handling, it appears, the game two starter, waiting to see how tonight goes? Does does that make sense to you, or would you just throw Scherzer and DeGrom, no questions asked, in one and two? Well, you know, I, I certainly am not aware of what's going on in the clubhouse, and there, and, and I think there's got to be something that, you know, they know that we don't know because I certainly would have said, Hey, you got to go with, you know, Scherzer, DeGrom and Bassett and then move on. And if, and if, you know, you win the first two, then you can save the third guy to open the series or open the next series. But uh, there, there's certainly something that Buck knows that we don't know that for him to say, Hey, look, if I can, I'm going to try to hold Jake may hold Jake back uh, to see what happens. But, you know, you do know you got Jake and, and Scherzer in a three game series and you gotta, you gotta like that. And, and Bassett's had a good season. So I, I really like the three guys they've got going right now. And what they've got to do is take care of tonight first. Former Mets manager Terry Collins joins us right now. And, you know, Terry, when you managed in this wild card game in 2016, it was one and winner take all. Now it's a best of three. Uh, you know, how do you manage this series of your Buck show, Walter? You know, you just talked about uh, setting up the pitching rotation. But how do you manage this series? Because you're playing for today, but also playing for tomorrow as well. Absolutely. And, and, you know, again, I, I do believe that one of the things, obviously, you know, due to where they were at, at the end of the year, they, you know, they really, you know, you had Pete Alonso playing every day, Lindor playing every day, Nimmo playing every day. You know, the loss of Marte has, has made a big, has made a big impact because now they've had to uh, kind of mix their lineup a little bit. They're, you know, they're searching for a DH and, and, you know, that's, those are things that Buck's certainly on his mind of how he's going to maneuver that lineup to get it going. But I go back to the fact that, you know, everybody talked about the home runs and they, home runs are important, but the Mets were a good team because they did all the little things right all season long. They ran the bases, they moved runners, they, you know, hit the ball, you know, opposite to where the shift was so they could still drove in runs. And I think that's what they've got to do right now. They got to go back and be the team that they've been for the majority of the season. That is do the little things right. Execute is, you know, on a certainly a high, high scale and, and let that, let that play. Cause that's going to win you games. Terry Marte is on the roster for this series. What does that tell you about what he could actually physically do for them this weekend? Yeah. You know, that's, that's really good news, but, and I don't know if he can, if it's, but if the finger, maybe he can't throw, maybe he can hit. I, I don't really know where he stands, but you know, it's, and I think it's just important that if they can get him some at bats or, or if he becomes a little bit part of it so that he can get ready, if they win these two of these first three games and they get in that, they get in the next, you know, that division series against the Dodgers, they're going to need Marte ready. You know, at least uh, more to that point, you have uh, Terrence Gore who makes the roster and Marte as well. Uh, 
What about their speed in a late inning situation? You always think back to Dave Roberts getting that crucial steal when he was with the Red Sox against the Yankees in, in that famous American League Championship Series. The, the the Padres are not good at throwing out runners, and here you have two very uh, very good base stealers who can get you one late in the game if you need it. Yeah, and that's that's going to be that's huge for him. That's going to be you know you get in a situation where in these series where one run means a lot. To have two guys that can get in scoring position easily is going to be very, very helpful because, again, it, the one thing that, you know, the Mets have done all year, they were they, their ability to have two, you know, drive a, a run in with two outs. And, and if you can get guys in scoring position with two outs, hey, you got a chance to win games. There was in the middle of the season, now they went about a week or two weeks where I, I was so excited to watch them with, with runners in scoring position and two outs and just get base hits to score those runs. And having that speed on the bench is going to mean a lot to them. Francisco Alvarez on that bench too, Terry, and Blake Snell looms either game two or game three. Could you write a rookie in the in your lineup in a playoff game when it only be his fourth or fifth big league game period? Well, you know, I think it's asking a lot, but if that's what you got, that's what you've got. You know, it's never a perfect world. It's never a perfect situation. And, you, and, and you know, I, I thought if anybody knows his team and knows what his best, you know, options are to win a baseball game, it's Buck Showalter. And if he thinks Alvarez is his best option against Blake Snell, then you're, you're going to see his name in the lineup. Terry, when you look at, at, at this Padres lineup, they have two of the better players uh, in the major leagues and Manny Machado and, of course, Juan Soto. The rest of the lineup, especially the bottom third, is a little sketchy there. Uh, you you just try to pitch around those guys the best that you can, or, uh, you know, it, it's it's so much. Uh, we, we always talk about stars versus a team concept. You you try to pitch around Soto, who has great postseason experience, and Machado can beat you as well and let everybody else beat you? Well, I, in certain situations, I think you you're going to. I, I mean, we've seen that a, a couple times during the season, uh, where you, hey, look, you can't let that other team star beat you. You just can't explain it when the game's over. So I certainly think it was, you know, and Max is smart enough to, tonight, where you know, if he, there's a situation where hey, he can pitch. He's got, you know, he got a guy in scoring position, and Soto's up. Max just may pitch around him. I know Max. He doesn't. He's not going to just want to walk him, but you know, he's got good enough stuff and good enough command that. You know what? Hey, look, maybe he'll make him fish and, uh, and maybe see if he'll chase something. But uh, I certainly think, again, there's certain times during the game where you cannot let those two guys beat you. And it's even more difficult now, too, Terry, because with relievers having to stay in for three batters, you can't match up with them. And they're often back to back in that lineup, which certainly complicates late inning decisions for Buck, too. Yeah. And that, of course, you know, I, we, we can sit here and talk those rules, <laughs> those new rules all day long, you know. It's, there's, uh, I, I worked with Jerry Blevins on uh, some TV things this summer, and I told Jerry, you know, that new rule, if they didn't have that, he'd still be pitching in the bigbies because nobody got left-handed hitters out as well as he did. So, yeah, you got to be careful. And that's, uh, I, I think, you know, again, I, I know one thing about Buck. I, I'm not sure anybody ran a bullpen better than he did all summer long. That's why those guys are all fresh, you know, going into the postseason. Um, and, and he'll pick his, he'll pick, He'll pick the right guy to come in and get a big out if he has to. Terry, thanks so much for a couple of minutes. It was great catching up with you. We look forward to talking with you again and uh, enjoy the games tonight. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on.
Former Mets manager Terry Collins joining us on Grubhub Mets Playoff Extra. And, Andrew, he had, he had a lot of good things to say, but I like what you touched on on last, and, and that is the difference in the bullpens right now. You know, you just can't get that matchup that you want. You have to try to plan it the best you can for three batters. By the way, I share Terry's disgust for this rule. Uh, it's not new anymore. I probably should be over it by now, but I'm not. And it really comes to, the, to a head now in these big spots. And Wayne, I think, gave you the one out, Wayne Randazzo, who was on with us in the very first segment. If you're trying to match up lefty-lefty on Soto in a big spot, if there are two outs, that's when the gamble comes into play because you could try to get the, bring the lefty in, get that third out, and then the lefty does not have to come back for the next half inning. But it's an, to me, it's an unnecessary complication to an already difficult idea of strategizing, matching up late, and it's definitely going to come into play, you would think, tonight or tomorrow in a tight game between these two teams. Well, we'll find out over the next two or three days right here at City Field, a little more than an hour away from first pitch between the Mets and the Padres in the National League wild card round. We've already seen some wild happenings around Major League Baseball earlier today, and then this one will finish things off, and it should be a great one as we're excited and anticipating a great one tonight here at City Field. So far, weather is ideal. It should hold up for the entire night. We'll wrap up this edition of Grubhub Mets playoff extra go for grubhub we're live from the city field plaza on wcbs news radio 880 all right guys a little more than an hour away from first pitch andrew what do you think for tonight well as basically all of our guests have said in this last hour the mets are the better team and they need to show it out of the gate with max scherzer again in the black jersey it's friday night the tradition this year and I think it's safe to say that they have bounced back from the disappointment of last weekend in Atlanta, but we'll know for sure here in a little bit. And obviously, some early offense off you, Darvish, goes a long way in that direction. Absolutely. Maybe he tries to nibble a little too much, and the Mets capitalize, and you do have Scherzer with his gravitas and experience. I give the nod to Scherzer. We'll see what happens in a little more than an hour from now. That's going to do it for us on Grubhub. Mets Playoff Extra. We'll be back with you at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. This has been Grubhub Mets Playoff Extra. Go for Grubhub. Brad Heller has the break game coming up next on WCBS 880. Let's go Mets.